This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Yes, the footballers still in the World Cup. They're having a little bit of a rest day ahead of the semi-finals, which start in earnest tonight. But we are not resting. We are coming at you with another World Cup rewind. We're going to take a look at the 1986 World Cup and the likes of Maradona, the 1990 World Cup and the likes of Toto Scalacci and the 1994 World Cup with Romario, with Baggio, and everybody else that comes with it. Let's get stuck in to today's show. Colombia was supposed to be the host, but were subbed out at the very last minute with Mexico. And what's more, we've got a format change that actually works from FIFA. So this is the podcast episode of the World Cup Rewind, where the three tournaments are what the European Championships are like now. So we've got 24 teams in Four groups of uh, six groups of four, just as it was in 1982. But the crucial difference is that four of those third place teams will go through to a last 16 and will have a straight knockout tournament. It could either be that or the old Champions League format, which is even more harsher. I think with a World Cup, no quality is diluted in terms of 24 teams to me, anyway, especially around 1986. And uh, it makes for a, a much better 
spectacle, I think, in terms of knockout games early on. Despite the Mexico City earthquakes of 1985, Mexico were up and running and were ready to welcome the debuting nations of Canada and Iraq, who were ultimately unsuccessful. A more successful debutant, though, Denmark, who were a breath of fresh air. South Korea and Paraguay returned for the first time since the 1950s. Portugal returned for the first time in a generation since 1966. And out of all those, only Paraguay and Denmark qualified for the knockout phase. Paraguay making the last 16, but were dumped out by the mighty England. Meanwhile, Denmark, well, we'll get on to their sticky situation in the last 16 shortly enough. This is the World Cup of the Hand of God. It's the World Cup of Uruguay getting the quickest red card in history. It's Mexico hosting again. It's an incredible Brazil not living up to the hype again. It's the wrist-bandaged Gary Lineker winning the golden boot. It's that picture of Diego Maradona being surrounded by Belgians. And it is Argentina who were gambling on the fitness of one Diego Armando Maradona who was desperately in need of an operation and any point he could just drop and be injured and be ruled out of the tournament. But he pushed through and thankfully, we are all thankful that he did. Well, maybe not Peter Shilton and some of the England team, but uh, more on that later. Argentina's new manager was Carlos Bilardo and uh, he took them to the World Cup. Quite lucky to be there after beating Peru to the tournament. Their captain, Daniel Passarella, the, the only man to lift the World Cup for Argentina before this, he was injured and in his place, the important Jose Luis Brown. You've got also the likes of Jorge Valdano and Jorge Borrachaga as well. They were carrying the load up front alongside the main man himself, Diego Maradona. France, were, well, they were European champions. They had Le Carrier Magique, Platini, Tiganard, Gires and Fernandez in the midfield. They had the manager, Michel Hidalgo, back as well. Jean-Pierre Papin was the new youngster on the block too, but this was the World Cup of Platini and Tiganard, just as the European Championships were two years prior when they eviscerated the field, let's be honest. Italy, they were amongst the favourites, obviously, as world champions, and Enzo Berzot, they were still, he was still as the manager, but his team were not up to scratch. Paolo Rossi wasn't in form, but then again, he wasn't in 1982 either. Calcio Gentile was no longer there, but the likes of Bruno Conti, he, re he returned to provide promise, so too did Gianluca Viali. Meanwhile, Despite Platini's tendonitis, France would beat Italy in the knockout phase. Their first win against Italy in a competition since 1920. That is 66 long years. And uh, wow, it really does speak to the hierarchy of European football around this time where Italy would beat Germany, Germany would beat France, and that would be the rule for so many years. And speaking of Germany, West Germany's new coach is one Franz Beckenbauer, but in comparison to the, the golden age of the 70s and 80s where they were in three European championships, finals in a row when they won the World Cup in 1974, very little was expected, relatively little anyway, was expected of West Germany. You've still got strikers blighted by injury in the form of Karl-Heinz Rummenigge. You've got the unenviable task of beating a, a quite strong um, Morocco team in the, in the knockout phase. Morocco were the first African side to ever top their group in the World Cup, the likes of uh, 
Buda, Bala, Diamantino and Timumi were the stars of the show for the North Africans. Meanwhile, much was expected of the hosts Mexico, especially since they had a star striker leading the line. Yes, Real Madrid's Hugo Sanchez. Meanwhile, you have Thomas Boyron in the midfield against Belgium in the group, but somehow Belgium would uh, would get beyond Soviet Union and Denmark and Spain, who shone early enough too. Denmark were one of the were one of the great epiphanies of this tournament, just like the Soviet Union were led by Valery Lobanovsky. Of course, it all came down to a sketchy back pass by Jesper Olsen to allow Spain in front in the last 16. And then Emilio Butrigueno helped himself to four goals and it left Spain in the quarterfinal with Belgium. And Denmark, they had only returned to prominence, really. They'd been in the European Championships of two years prior in the semi-finals. They'd finally lifted the professional player ban on the national team and obviously it immediately reaped the rewards. You've got the likes of Michael Laudrup, Morten Olsen, uh, Jesper Olsen, Arneson, you've got Preben Elkiar as well. They were amongst the best playing teams at this World Cup, but unfortunately that's uh, all turned on the uh, the poor pass by Olsen there. One of the favourites were Brazil. Many key players, though, were beset by injury. You've got the likes of Zico, Falcao, Toninho, Socrates, all not in the best of shape. Tele Santana was still the coach, though, so you can uh, you can bet that Brazil were going to play some good football. And Careca was back as well, up front. Uruguay, they, meanwhile, suffered the same fate as always. Great players, and such as... Enzo Francescoli and Alzamendi and Da Silva, they were more content, though, with hurting the opposition. Just ask Gordon Strachan, as uh, he was on the receiving end, and uh, that resulted in the uh, the quickest red card in World Cup history. Omar Boras, the uh, Uruguayan manager, couldn't handle his team, and they would be out to Argentina in the last 16. They'd beaten Scotland to a spot in the last 60. They limped out with one point, did the Tartan Army. Alex Ferguson taking over for the tournament after Jockstein's unfortunate death in Cardiff after qualifying for the World Cup. Ferguson would snub Alan Hansen and, as a result, coincidentally, Kenny Dalgleish withdrew through injury. And with the tournament opening up in terms of format, Scotland's previous performances, third place, three times in a row in the group, would have had them through. Here, though, they're going back to finishing bottom of the pile. Northern Ireland expected as well, especially after 1982. And it unfortunately ended with group stage elimination alongside Algeria, despite the return of Jennings, McElroy, Whiteside, and of course, Billy Bingham as the manager. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. There was conspiracy of a collusion with England in terms of qualifying for the tournament in the point that put both through and stopped Romania from qualifying for successive tournaments after they'd made Euro 1984. Meanwhile, Sir Bobby Robson, in terms of England, suffered from the same fate 
as um, his predecessor, Ron Greenwood, in terms of picking the uh, elusive Glenn Hoddle. He would, Sir Bobby Robson this is, pick Hoddle out wide and ultimately waste his talents. Meanwhile, the manager's uh, namesake, Bobby Robson, was injured yet again. He was uh, risked in terms of his uh, shoulder, which was which had dislocated three or four times in the build-up to the tournament. And the last one against Morocco, unfortunately, put him out of the tournament. Meanwhile, you've got Mark Haley off colour in terms of his form. Ray Wilkins was sent off as well, the first England player to be sent off in a World Cup. The group performance was only salvaged, the qualification for the last 16 in terms of England was only salvaged by Gary Lineker's hat-trick against Poland. And this owed to England's rejuvenated midfield of the likes of Peter Reid, Trevor Stephen, Hodge, Hoddle, but mainly Beardsley in behind Gary Lineker. Lineker struck again against Paraguay in the last 16 and really took command over the golden boot. Meanwhile, as we mentioned, Soviet Union, they looked quite a handy outfit. The uh, manager changed late on with Valery Lobanovsky would have um, the Soviet Union at the front of the queue, really, in terms of European teams for the next two or three tournaments. He would, of course, use the majority of his superb Dynamo side and uh, you've got the likes of Vasily Rats, Oli Blokin and um, they stunned Hungary 6-0 but unfortunately were both picked apart by Belgium there. Belgium who had the likes of Vandenberg and Van der Jecken both injured and key cogs in their wheel but in Jan Koolemans you've got Requan, you've got De Mol, Grunt, Vervoort, Klaassen and Vitt. They were all the core for the Belgian team which ultimately somehow via Soviet Union and Spain, had made it to the semi-finals and they were due to face the winner of Argentina versus England. Now, we've spoken to death about Argentina versus England. If there hasn't been a Great Games podcast on it already, it will be dropping in and around this time um, on the Patreon page there. And what more can be said than other than Diego Maradona's five-minute spell with... um, contrasting goals let's say in terms of style the first was punched into the net the second was something of beauty and uh, both ultimately ended up with uh, Maradona taking his uh, team the Albi Celeste into the uh, into the semi-finals against Belgium and of course Gary Lineker he uh, he nipped in with a consolation goal to claim the golden boot one goal from uh, the great man there More pertinently for Argentina, in terms of tactics, they finally deployed the sweeper system against England and it worked an absolute dream. They did so again against Belgium. Neither England nor Belgium could live with Maradona. They couldn't mark him tightly enough because of the system and because of um, his undeniable talent as well, let's be fair. And uh, he not only destroyed England, but we tend to forget he also destroyed Belgium as well. An incredible, um, incredible solo goal and... um, Funnily enough, Jorge Valdano, he scored with a handball, but this time the referee saw it. So that's um, a nice bit of serendipity for the Belgians, unless um, despite them going down 2-0. But uh, shame that couldn't have happened in the previous round anyway. The other semi-final boiled down to France versus West Germany, just as it did in 1982. But we wouldn't have anywhere near like the classic as we had then. It would be West Germany as... The European footballing food chain would uh, demand they would beat the French. And the French, to be fair, were exhausted after 
a mesmeric quarterfinal with the much-fancied Brazil. Uh, France, they, they were lacking Dominique Rachetot, who was out through injury. Um, but regardless, they won out over the Brazilians. Quite a shock, really, um, despite them being European champions. They won via the penalty shootout, and penalties helped them out in normal time as well, which the entire game hinged on, and uh, Zico's penalty miss in normal time helped France take the game to extra time, take them to penalties, and ultimately France were found out by the West Germans. Now we get to the final, it's Argentina versus West Germany, as would be the case with the majority of this episode, (laughs) by the way. Maradona arguably more subdued than he had been all tournament, but when you consider the knockout phase that he had had, it's uh, no wonder, but still too good for West Germany, and Maradona does have quite the hand, not in that way, on the winning goal that wins Argentina their second World Cup and allows Maradona as captain to lift the trophy aloft. He assists Borachaga for the odd goal in five and Argentina go through to become defending champions for Italia 90, which we will cover after this short break. Welcome back. Italy were selected as hosts. It meant Pavarotti, Scalacci, Miller, Gaza. Debuting were the incredible successes of Costa Rica, who made it to the last 16, and the Republic of Ireland, who made it one step further in the quarterfinals. But it also meant the debut of the United Arab Emirates, who quickly got put out in a fairly tough group, to be honest. Egypt were back for the first time since 1934. America were back for the first time since 1950. Colombia ended some time away since 1962. France missed out. Mexico were disqualified. So too Chile. This is the World Cup of defensive football, of pass-backs, of Bobby Robson's departure from England. It's Scotland finding new ways to get knocked out in the group stages. It's David O'Leary's penalty. It's Cameroon's shock against Argentina. Rudy Voller and Rude Hullitz spat. It's a young Yugoslavia, a pirouette in Platt and a Maradona leaving Italy confused as to who they would support. Yes, Argentina, they were champions, still under the management of Carlos Bilardo and their star man, whilst being Diego Maradona by reputation, by performance and surviving a drug scandal to be there, alas. Claudio Canigia, and he would be eased in, he wouldn't be selected from the off against Cameroon, although famously he would be substituted on and be on the, uh, be on the wrong end of quite possibly one of the worst tackles um, televised in the World Cup with uh, Benjamin Massin's um, shocker explosion of a, <laughs> of a tackle. And again, we covered that on the uh, Patreon Girit Games podcast, the Argentina nil Cameroon won, one of the greatest shocks of World Cup history. We'll be talking about Cameroon later on. Maradona was at the centre of handball controversy again because it is a World Cup, um, this time in his own box against the Soviet Union and again went unpunished. Argentina had a bit of luck, although it didn't seem it at the time. Neri Pumpado um, broke his leg, the goalkeeper, which paved the way for Sergio Goicochea to come in. And he had only snuck in as a reserve into the 22-man squad from Luis Islas as well. And he would ultimately be one of Argentina's greatest heroes in this World Cup, be part of the World Cup dream team as well. And of course, with the manner that Argentina got to the final, he had to be he had to be one of the heroes, really. Brazil, they were back in their cycle of trying to be European and tough. They had uh, ditched Telly Santana after 
ultimately two quarterfinal exits in 82 and 86. Sebastião Lazzaroni, he was in and he utilised a sweeper system in defence. And to be fair, this is the era of sweeper systems. Argentina and West Germany both deployed them in 1986 as final. They would do so again in 1990 as well. In terms of their key players, Dunga and Kareka, it didn't really help Lazzaroni that they didn't like each other one bit. And um, maybe Lazzaroni had um, a good plan, really. This was a tournament of defensive football. Brazil were playing a little bit more defensive, but uh, perhaps it was the the one tournament to break the mould and be the attacking Samba style, Santana style, Zagallo style. But ultimately... It wasn't. They were only here because of the Roberto Royas incident that barred Chile from the World Cup and in 1994's tournament as well. Romario might have helped a turgid centre forward, but unfortunately he was playing his um, first games after a horrific leg break. So he was uh, not up to speed really and Careca was uh, and Muller were used in uh, in the Brazilian front line, first and foremost. In terms of Yugoslavia, they had an incredibly young squad. Prozineski, Panchev, Stojkovic. Italy, they were managed by Vashini. You had Scalacci, one of the uh, cult figures of Italian football now. And uh, he was in after a good season at Juventus. Viali wasn't in great shakes. Roberto Baggio wasn't preferred either. And... Um, Finally, after Gianluca Viali went down with injury, Vashini paired Baggio off with Scalacci and they would beat the Czechs, pocked with a, a stunning goal by Baggio, a great solo goal. Soviet Union, well, the same could be uh, said of these lads in terms of um, was unable to get fit and firing. They were limped out fourth place in the group despite a 4-0 win to end the uh, to end the contest, America were here for the first time since 1950. They were quite good defensively, but ultimately weren't good enough and uh, would have been quite scary for the Americans ahead of the tournament in the States that they were hosting some four years on. Belgium and Spain flattered to deceive despite good World Cups of prior tournaments and in Jan Koulemans for Belgium and Jean-Michel Paff for uh, Belgium as well and Michel for Spain. They had one-off players, but ultimately... Not much of a team, and it does show in their early eliminations from the tournament. So too, the Dutch, who, after being crowned European champions in 1988, with the likes of Ruud Hullet, Frank Rijkaard and Marco van Basten, Ronald Koeman too, they ultimately underperformed. Leo Beinhacker was the uh, was the manager now taking over from Marinus Mikkels and ultimately went out to West Germany in a um, quite phlegmy contest. Rudy, Rudy Voller and Frank Rijkaard were uh, were found spitting at one another and um, both got sent off. Van Basten wasn't in anywhere like the form that he was in 1988. Injury worries starting to uh, creep up again for him. In terms of West Germany, Franz Beckenbauer was still the coach and they had an imperious midfield. Andy Moller, Thomas Hassler and of course their star man, Lothar Matthäus. Alongside his Inter Milan teammates, you have Jurgen Klinsmann on fire too, Andy Bremer, of course, ever influential. And they had the probably the best navigation of the group phase, potentially in World Cup history. Not much gets said about it, to be fair. They slapped more than 10 goals beyond their opponents 
in, uh, in, in the group phase there. Meanwhile, Cameroon, they were managed by Valerie Nepomniachtchi, uh, who didn't speak the native language of French, which ultimately didn't help. But in Encono and Roger Miller and Oman Biak, they had quite an exciting counter-attacking vertical team. They were tough at the back, energetic in midfield, and uh, surprisingly great in front of goal too. Roger Miller would become the oldest World Cup goal scorer at this tournament and uh, would subsequently break, break his own record in 1994. They would meet England in the quarterfinals. England, poor in qualification, but just about getting there. Again, another beneficiary of the expansion from 16 to 24 teams, as was the case in 1982. Just like in 1982, just like in 1986, Brian Robson was out midway through the tournament with yet another injury, a toe injury. And um, his manager, Bobby Robson, was going to PSV post-tournament after uh, press in Britain, typically, hounded him out of the job, calling him a traitor, despite being uh, one of the greatest managers that England have ever had. And um, England, they were seeded, surprisingly, but it was only so FIFA could manipulate the draw and keep the the uh, the the team and obviously their fans, um, the troublesome negative view of the fans in, uh, in Cagliari and in Sardinia. They were only allowed back into the European Cup English teams because of their run here and subsequent government pressure. And it was their leading light, Paul Gascoigne and 1986 hero Gary Lineker. But also a tactical shift to a, to a sweeper system and you've got Mark Wright and Des Walker impressing at the back. And because of Brian Robson's injury, you have David Platt's emergence and the iconic goal against Belgium. Him alongside Paul Gascoigne, whilst probably not the first choice going into it, certainly struck up a partnership that helped England through Belgium, through uh, Cameroon in the quarterfinals too. They'd also got ahead of the Republic of Ireland and their manager Jack Charlton, former World Cup winner, of course, and their long ball tactics, which ultimately were working. They'd almost made a, a European Championship semi-final in 1988 and did very well against England in the opening game here, just as they had done in 88, of course, but not a win in uh, Italy, unfortunately. Much was made of Ireland's players like Sir Vandy Townsend, Ray Horton, in terms of their qualification as uh, Irishman, um, in terms of in terms of that, I'd qualify to play for Ireland. So if only I was good enough, unfortunately. But uh, there we are. And thankfully, FIFA have uh, relaxed the rules further in terms of um, in terms of uh, cap, getting caps and being able to play for another country. Then, which only will help other nations and uh, their progression, really. Ireland, they'd qualified after a win and a draw over Northern Ireland, their first World Cup, and stopping Northern Ireland from reaching three in a row. Meanwhile, from the British Isles also, we had Scotland again, good in qualifiers. They were managed by Andy Roxburgh. And um, again, they found group stage elimination in the most creative way imaginable. Again, they were embarrassed by Costa Rica, but then somehow fought back to beat Sweden, the uh, would-be European Championship semi-finalists in two years before performing really well against Brazil, to be fair, but then going out in the last few minutes to a rebound from Muller, courtesy of Jim Layton uh, spill, which obviously came about because of his lack of confidence vis-a-vis -vis the 
1990 FA Cup final. But forget about Scotland, the latter stages did have multiple British interests, or British and Irish, British Isles interest. Be careful with that one. Ireland, they'd found themselves in the quarterfinals after prospering on penalties against Romania, thanks to, of course, David O'Leary's unlikely penalty in Genoa. And they were ultimately unfortunate against a, a mechanical Italian side in the quarterfinals. Nothing was expected of them. And reaching the quarterfinals at the very first World Cup, fantastic. Brazil, they ought to have beaten Argentina in the last 16 around prior early on. They just unfortunately couldn't finish and paid the price for their defensiveness and Europeanness. And uh, Argentina went through courtesy of Maradona's pass for Canigia. René Higuita, um, well, ridiculous goalkeeper error from 30 yards out. He was playing the playing with the ball. He was trying to be Manuel Neuer some uh, some 30 years um, too early, and essentially put Colombia out for his own um, for his own malpractice. And Cameroon took the win. Roger Miller starring again. Ultimately, it was four suspensions for the Cameroonians that might not have helped against England in the quarterfinals, but. To be fair, Cameroon were quite hard done by in terms of the penalty decisions. Two soft penalties given to uh, Gary Lineker, which did the trick and helped limp England over the line. Even Sir Bobby Robson said, we don't know how we got here, but uh, they were. And they were playing an inevitable Germany who defeated Czechoslovakia through a goal from uh, Lothar Mateus. And in the semi-final, a freak goal from Andy Bremer put them ahead. Gary Lineker would rebound with the uh, equaliser late on and England were vastly unfortunate as Chris Waddle hit the post and uh, West Germany did so as well and it would ultimately be the beginning of penalty heartbreak for the English in their last World Cup game for eight years. Ahead of the other semi-final in Naples, Maradona's hometown now of course because of his uh, success with Napoli, he implored his locals to support Argentina and not Italy. Some were split, of course, given the uh, geography and the politics of uh, Italy, with Naples being often cast aside in the south there. And um, some were inclined to to actually support Argentina. And it came down to penalties again. Ultimately, though, Italy lost out on those penalties. And Argentina were through after two penalty shootouts against Yugoslavia and against Italy. And uh, the only team to have done that since at a World Cup win multiple penalty shootouts, Croatia in 2018. And it was arguably, arguably the worst final ever. Settled by two red cards and Andy Bremer's penalty. Claudio Canigia, Argentina's star of the time, was unfortunately banned for a yellow card and a handball against Italy. So he was, like Paul Gascoigne, ruled out of the final should his team get there. Like Unlike England, though, Argentina did get there and it would be their last World Cup final until 2014. But we're going to go back some 20 years prior to that, to 1994. Soccer's coming home. We're going to the United States for USA 94. Welcome back. Yes, it's USA 94. It's Diana Ross slamming a penalty wide of the mark. And uh, whilst football or soccer might not have been popular, it did draw huge crowds to uh, LA for the 1984 Olympics and therefore warranted enough of a um, enough of an interest and um, on FIFA's perspective, 
cash to uh, stage the World Cup in America and um, remains the uh, most most attended World Cup despite it being a, a 24-team tournament, such are the, uh, the massive venues in the States. Debuting were Greece out in the first round, but would always be attached to the fame of Diego Maradona. Saudi Arabia threw thanks to an incredible wonder goal and would make the last 16 for their one and only time, unless they do so in 2022. I'm recording these before the tournament. And debuting as well, Nigeria, who were on the precipice of a golden generation, like Saudi Arabia, would also be in the last 16. Not here. Well, we had quite a slew of teams that weren't here who you'd expect. England, or any home nation for that matter. France, Czechoslovakia, Yugoslavia, Denmark and Portugal. West Germany were now whole, Soviet Union were now just Russia, and back into the fold we had Bolivia making their first appearance at the World Cup since 1950, and Norway making their first appearance since 1938. Neither would make it through. It's the World Cup, it's Roy Hodgson with Switzerland, it's Maradona's drugs ban, it's Hadji, Stoichkov and Baggio, it's John Aldridge swearing on the touchline, Ray Horton doing cartwheels, it's Roger Miller somehow still dancing, it's Selenko scoring five, both in the same match, it's Germany and Argentina both stunned by minnows, and it's Brazil. And it's Brazil in another European-style team, functional rather than Brazilian, and the only difference really between 1990 and 1994, the thing that stopped Brazil and Italy, really, in my opinion, was the lack of firepower that they had here, though, well, it was Romario and it was Bebeto in a strike partnership. They had struggled to get out of the qualifiers, lost their first qualifier to Bolivia in a in a qualif- qualification campaign in South America that threw up all kinds of shocks, such as uh, Colombia's 5-0 over Argentina in 1993. Carlos Alberto Pereira only restored Romario to the team late on in qualifiers, and with the likes of Dunga, Jorginho and Leonardo Pivotal too, they cruised through a group containing Sweden, Cameroon and Russia. Sweden, they had Kenneth Anderson and Henrik Larsson coming off the back of a hosting of the European Championships in 1992, which they reached the semi-finals, of course. Both eliminated Russia, who were embroiled in a spat with coach Sadrin and uh, their FA, and as a result, there was no Kanchelskis, no Kolyvanov, no Kirikayov, and no Shalimov, who all opted not to play for Russia. Also out Cameroon of 1990, surprise package fame. They haven't been to a World Cup knockout phase since 1990, unless, again, they have done in 2022. They're not so tightly knit together here. Their players wish to be paid and hadn't been, which, you know, is quite understandable. And they were beaten 6-1 by Russia. And despite Oleg Selenko scoring five goals and helping him to a share of the golden boot, really the headlines were taken by a 42-year-old Roger Miller. (laughs) breaking his own record to become the uh, the oldest scorer in World Cup history. Across the board, we had Argentina. Their tournament was rocked, or rather stunted, by Diego Maradona's disqualification. Alfio Basile was the new manager of the Albi Celeste after the humiliation of the 5-0 to Colombia. Maradona had returned from one drugs ban and... Um, 
Argentina had finally chosen Fernando Redondo and Gabriel Batistuta as well after they had starred in the Copa America triumphs of 1991 and 1993. Claudio Canigia was also in form, um, but ultimately they would be found out by that pesky ephedrine that was in Diego Maradona's system. After two great wins over Greece and Nigeria, they would lose to Bulgaria and, well, we'll talk about the last 16 later on. Colombia, meanwhile, coming off that 5-0 win over Argentina, were imbued with a hell of a lot of confidence. They had the likes of uh, Carlos Valderrama, Tino Aspria, and Freddy Rincon. And unfortunately, it was Andres Ine- Andres Escobar who scored an own goal against America, and that's where Colombia's World Cup fell apart. And Escobar later, Escobar later on, unfortunately, died um by gunshot post-tournament, being embroiled in a uh, betting ring, so to speak. And um, it could be to do with the inflated belief due to Colombia's 5-0 win over Argentina. But in the group that they were in with the likes of Switzerland and America, they were expected and probably should have gone through. But unfortunately, it was a it was a heartbreaking end. The players couldn't deal with the expectation, the newfound expectation. The gambling surrounding the team went overboard, unfortunately ended Escobar's life. They only really showed their potential against Switzerland when the pressure was ultimately off. Meanwhile, you had Romania topping that group with Georgi Hadji, Radicoyu and uh, Dumitrescu and they were on fire against Argentina in the last 16, beating them 3-2, which we've covered in the Great Games podcast on Patreon. Go check that one out. Italy, they were hardly setting the world on fire in qualification, but under Arrigo Sacchi, they had a, an incredibly influential manager who had destroyed the European Cup with his Milan side, and he brought back a huge fulcrum of that team, Franco Baresi, back from international retirement. He moved them from the old tired Catanaccio sweeper system to the 4-4-2 a la AC Milan, and then to 4-3-3, preferring one of the few Milan Players that uh, one of the few players that weren't from AC Milan, Roberto Baggio up top. Meanwhile, they were faced with Nigeria in the last 16, with the likes of Amanike, Sunday Olise, and Fanidi George, coached by Clemens Westerhoff. Their FA president before the last 16 against Italy said, We're champions of Africa, what are you? Italy is world famous for the mafia and fiat. And after that quote, they came pretty close to beating Italy too. And unfortunately, Nigeria caught the start of the Roberto Baggio onslaught, and he would save he would save Italy with an 88th minute equaliser, then win the game in extra time, and would do so again much later on in the tournament. We should mention the host to America. They were managed by uh, Bora Molitinovic. Molit- beg your pardon. And unfortunately, they went out to Brazil on Independence Day, no less, in the last 16, despite uh, Leonardo elbowing a player viciously and receiving a red card. And um, unfortunately, their defensive approach from 1990 um, was still well in the works in 1994, despite football moving slightly further forward and uh, received criticism for not going out and trying to to win the game, really, against uh, against Brazil. Bulgaria, they were here with the likes of Konstantinov, Lechkov, and of course, Haristo Stoichkov. They had eliminated France from qualification with the last kick of a game, and uh, they had won their first World Cup 
match and would go through to beat Mexico. Mexico, they were through, though, despite dropping legend Hugo Sanchez, star of the 1986 tournament. And uh, Mexico's archaic use of a sweeper had them undone by a slick Bulgarian outfit. And they would meet Germany in the quarterfinals. Germany were managed by unpopular manager Bertie Votes, and um, Thomas Berthold was openly critical of the manager. He did recall the likes of Rudy Voller. Lothar Mateus was more of a defender, a sweeper than a midfielder, as he had been throughout the most of his career. And after a win over South Korea, Stefan Effenberg gave the fans the finger and he was sent home. So all was not well in the German camp, safe to say. And uh, Rudy Voller and Jurgen Klinsmann did smash Belgium in the uh, in the last 16, showed their force for a, a while. Um, meanwhile, you've got Spain, who were... Uh, had some team really they battled in the 106 degree Fahrenheit heat against South Korea the likes of Nadal sent off too but still battled to draw so showing a little bit of steel ultimately a um, a couple of Julio Salinas one-on-one errors did them they couldn't put away either Germany in the groups or Italy in the quarterfinals and uh, unfortunately they were out and of course it was Roberto Baggio inflicting that on them and they were lucky to uh, get that far with Switzerland only beaten because of a Fernando Hierro counter in the last 16 coming after a probable foul by Nadal in the build-up. Meanwhile, Netherlands, they were without Marco van Basten, of course, who was winding down his career after long-term injury. Ruud Hullet was uh, also on the shelf too. Johan Cruyff was rumoured to uh, be airdropped in as the coach, but it was uh, Dick Advocar and he unfortunately couldn't handle the team disputes. They played with a back three, which was now by this point outdated in spite of what Ajax were just about to do at club level with Louis van Gaal. Both they and Belgium, though, they qualified alongside Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, the scorers of the goal of the tournament with uh, Alawiran against Belgium and um, Saudi Arabia benefited from Jorge Scolari being named as the uh, last minute manager and unfortunately bowed out to Sweden in the last 16 and finally, Ireland, the only interest of the British Isles. Jack Charlton was still in charge, but unfortunately they had Niall Quinn, their main marksman, out injured. But a new crop of young talent. We have the likes of Roy Keane, Phil Babb, as well as the experienced names of Andy Townsend and Paul McGrath, who put in one of the all-time great performances against Italy in a giant stadium, largely Irish, and again won by Ray Horton. They were also famous in this tournament for both Jack Charlton and John Aldridge, fined for a famous touchline outburst against Mexico, where they were trying to get onto the pitch um, to make a substitution. Meanwhile, Ireland qualified with a draw against Norway, and um, themselves, like Ireland, long ball, but unlike Ireland, ultimately disappointing, and Yanaga uh, Fjortov um, not being able to find the goal with any kind of regularity. Slightly unfortunate that Norway would be uh, put out of the tournament, as um, this group is the only group with all of the teams to end on the same amount of points, as they all ended on four points, and Norway being in fourth position with four points couldn't qualify. Meanwhile, you have some teams on three qualifying in third. It is the look of the draw, as they say. So let's go into the latter stages and where better else to start in the quarterfinals than Bulgaria versus Germany. 
and it was Stoichkov's legendary free kick that helped sink the Germans in one of the biggest all-time shocks. But Bulgaria did need Andy Moller hitting the post late on to stay alive. Brazil, meanwhile, they had found a talisman in Mauro Silva in midfield and, of course, Romario up front who'd help sink the uh, conquerors of Ireland, that is the Netherlands in the quarterfinal in uh, one of the games of the tournament, and also with the sole goal against Sweden. Brazil were beating an exhausted Sweden after they had disposed of Romania on the penalty shootout. And it was Brazil versus Sweden which ultimately turned on um, turns red card with uh, Romario winning the game late on. Unlike in the last 16 against um, Nigeria, unlike in the quarter-final against Spain, Roberto Baggio didn't leave it quite as late against Bulgaria and um, quickly took away two goals inside 25 minutes. Stoichkov scored to... Uh, tried to get his hands on that golden boot, um, but uh, wouldn't have it outright. And uh, Italy would go through to the final. Alessandro Costa-Curta, unfortunately, though, suspended. All the chat prior to the final in Pasadena was um, around the fitness of uh, Roberto Baggio, Franco Baresi and Romario, arguably the three stars of the contest. Uh, but all of them made it and... Uh, Baresi and Baggio making the headlines for all the wrong reasons in the first ever World Cup final to be settled by penalty shootout. Around this stage, again, it's a, a final a bit like 1990. Defensive teams probably more scared than uh, more want to go out and attack and um, show off their skills. It is a World Cup final. It's ha the highest stakes of um, any match you could ever hope. And um, it is Roberto Baggio famously firing over the bar. And Brazil are four-time champions. Would they win it in 1998? Well, we will have to wait until the other side of the semi-finals, which, of course, kick off in Qatar. This very evening, which I'm sure you will all be uh, watching with bated breath. We'll be back with the other side of the semi-finals with the final rewinds. We will be covering all the way from France 98 to 2002 to 2006 in the first episode after the semi-finals. Then we'll be covering the final few tournaments thereafter from 2006 to 2018. Thank you very much for joining us today. We'll be back tomorrow with semi-final chat and hopefully we'll be able to pick apart the bones of uh, the final to come. Who knows? Until tomorrow, silly. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.